Thanks for joining us, everyone. This episode of Skirmish Supremacy is brought to you again by Death Ray Designs. You can check out all their awesome products for all your wargaming terrain and basing needs at deathraydesigns.com. Do not forget to check out their Kickstarter. Uh, right now, they're running a, a dual Kickstarter. It is uh, Black Sight X and Rapid Vanguard. Perfect terrain for your 40K games, your Infinity games, or any other type of sci-fi game in between. You can check that out at kickstarter.com and look up Black Sight X. That's Black S-I-T-E-X. You can find it right in there. They're about halfway through and halfway funded. They could definitely use your support. This episode is also brought to you by my local gaming store, Gigabytes Cafe, located here in the metro Atlanta area. If ever you're in town and you want to go in for one of the best gaming places in the area and you're hungry and you want to get a sandwich, you want to get a coffee, you can get it all there. On top of that, you could buy just about anything else you want from role-playing games, board games, miniatures, hobby supplies, and I can go on and on and on all day, but we don't have that much time. Thanks for uh, tuning back in to Skirmish Supremacy. Stay tuned for the episode. Order. Give it a few seconds to kick in and do its thing. Alright, everybody, we are back. This time we are here with Marcin from Awakened Realms. He's going to be talking about his new Kickstarter for uh, Awakening, which is his gaming terrain that's primarily used uh, for 40k in Age of Sigmar but has many applications for other games. Marcin, how you doing? Yeah, hey guys. Perfect. Everything is perfect here. <laughs> yes, and as usual, I am joined by my co-host Nick. Nick, how you doing over there at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. I'm alive. <laughs> I've got caffeine. Yeah, I've got some of that too. Yep. So, awesome, awesome. So, Marcin, tell us a little bit about Awaken Realms and uh, kind of your history and how you jumped into making the war games terrain. How did you guys all get started? All right, yeah. So, well, that's kind of funny story because um, um, it, the, the Awaken Realm started around, well, I guess, two years ago. And primarily it was just me and my friend. So basically um, um, we are both kind of geeks. You know, like we started with computer games, then switched to... 40k mainly, and and Adrian, my my uh, my partner and the guy that you know we started this company with, started to paint, and he said like, this is like an awesome thing to do, and there's there's like a business potential in there as well because we're both in after a business education, and you know like after sitting down uh, for some time and and looking more into it, we decided to do a company, and we had some. Because um, at that time I was working in a corporation and I got my you know like my own office and everything, so it was pretty good. But you know like there's there was something lacking in there. I just you know like you just was there doing some stuff that you were not interested in. I was actually in financial sector, so it was the worst. <laughs> and and yeah, I we decided that you know like we'll just make like a big leap of faith and just you know like throw it all away and start something in actually in a basement so yeah this is like you know like <laughs> I, I like to joke myself that this is kind of like an apple story that we started in a basement and you know like hopefully in 10 in 10 years time we'll take over the world <laughs> but but yeah um in the end it was like we we both started to paint and we just wanted to bring a little bit of um, professional approach to the painting services, miniature painting services, because what we have so a lot is a lot of people offer a services, but they don't do it in a very professional manner regarding the time frames, regarding the customer service and everything. So we were used to all those, you know, like very rigid business um, um, procedures and approach, and we wanted to implement it into this market and it actually worked pretty well so right now we have a painting studio composed of around uh, 20 painters okay. which is which is 
which is a lot and those this is like a really great crew all of them have some artistical background so they are mostly uh painters with 5 years of of experience so they have they can do like all sorts of miracles with it uh, i'm i'm not even as close as good as they are regarding you know like doing free hands and all those crazy stuff uh, so yeah, this is this is like our core business currently. So so we are mostly a miniature painting studio. Um, around uh, eight months ago, we've done the project uh, The Edge. This is our own game. Actually, right now we have sent around sixty percent uh, of rewards to our bakers, and like ninety eight percent of them are really happy with the product and the game as well. Because we, I think we. This is something different. Um, maybe another time we'll speak a, a little bit more about the edge because I think that what we did is something fresh in the wargaming uh, systems. Um, and obviously, in the process of those games, we also uh, we we started with an idea that we'll just you know like make the idea for the game and all the production will be outsourced to other companies, but. Then the other companies were starting to fall into deadlines and everything, and we <laughs> kind of get pissed off and and thought like, okay, let's do production in house. And we we we've done all the process in house right now, from making the models, from printing the models, from resin cast, and everything that is just working and the quality is really good. So we thought like, if we have all that. We can do some side projects like uh, resin bases or terrains, and this is where the awaken and awakening started. Uh, so the idea is to do some terrain, uh, mostly like you said, used to in 40k. It can be also used in Age of Sigma, War Machine, Infinity, whatever you would like to put them. But I think that we our main focus were obviously 40k. Uh, because we have like objective markers in our offer portals and stuff like that have not only a terrain sense but also a gameplay sense. Um, and 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 the idea was that we saw a lot of terrain. Being a painting studio for a year, you have like you you, you basically seen everything in the market. And and the thing that we thought lacked was. Um, kind of special terrain that would, for example, we introduced like a floating crystals or floating demonic totems. And we wanted to get a hold of this idea of something that is, for example, floating or or, or, or is very uh, high and have like a lot of crazy design ideas. And this is what we wanted to do. And, it, it, and I think that if you look at our Kickstarter, it kind of captures your attention. And if you put it on your table, it really make, can make like a very cool difference because uh, it will add a lot of details to your table. Yeah, I was actually looking at this the other day, and I was actually quite blown away by the fact that uh, normally I see a lot of floating stuff coming from other companies. Mm -hmm. And... It scares me sometimes because I always look at it from the standpoint, if I take this to a gaming store and put this on a table and I'm playing against some guy that I don't know, all it takes is him to move wrong that one time and he'll just shatter this thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, anytime I see anything floating, you know, to be honest with you, it kind of freaks me out. But after <laughs> looking closer at your project and, you know, really kind of sitting there and taking a look at it, you guys added that great floating effect, but you gave it plenty of points on the actual uh, sculpts themselves to where it's sturdy, which mm -hmm. I appreciate, especially yeah. from a gaming standpoint. Yeah, I know. Because, you know, like, you don't only want the terrain that looks good, but you also want it to last long because, you know, like, it's a cool thing. So that's why, for example, on the demonic totems, you have the... Uh, this, is kind of, this was kind of a problem, as you said, like, to make it look floating but on the other hand to make it stable and good to cast and good to play use so for example we used chains so like a lot of chains to so the effect is that there are demonic hands coming out of the ground and holding chains for the totem uh that is trying to you know like get like defy the gravity right so they are just like keeping it in place so, you know, like story-wise, it looks good. And on the other hand, it is useful as well. So. Yeah, same thing with the uh, the floating, uh, you know, not to focus just on the demonic portals right now, but <laughs> sure. you, you did mention them. Um, 
even with the uh, the gates themselves, the two portals, the yeah. you, the fact that you have the magma that's flowing down off of the uh, the tips of the spikes, kind of acting as the anchors, like, it still gives it that effect that it's floating, it's vibrant, it's moving, but it gives you a, a stable base on it. Which, again, I really appreciate that just from looking at so many other things that uh, I've seen come out that. You know, I look at them and I go, "That's it, it's beautiful." If I was to put it with a display piece, putting it on a table is very iffy to me. So, hmm. you know, I definitely appreciate a, a lot of the work that you guys put into this. It looks absolutely killer. <laughs> thanks, thanks, man. I mean, the thing is that our pretty sculpture always do, and I really, I'm, I'm, I, I'm very lucky, man, regarding the people I work with because they have a lot of talent. And the thing that they approach, uh, I've. I've seen a lot of companies, a lot of 3D modelers, and I think that what we have a little bit different is regarding the approach you take when you're working on the model. This means that when we start to do a model, we're not, you know, like starting to think of like, okay, let's do, I don't know, an elf or whatever and just, you know, like get on with it. But first what we do is to think about a story. So, you know, like what is happening there? What is the story behind it? Why does, does it look like this or not that? So, for example, the the portal you mentioned, you can see the hands coming out of the portal, holding on the pieces of the portal. And the idea is that, you know, like the demonic world is capable of creating some call, some kind of wrap in reality, but it's very close, very fast, close back, because of the loss of the magic in this universe. So basically, there are a few demons in the demonic world that came first out of the portal and are holding, sustaining it, so the rest of the army can get out. So, you know, like, all those little details have their part in the story, why it is happening like that. Yeah, it looks really, really, really cool. So let's let's talk about some of the other pieces. We've, we've pretty much covered the demonic stuff. Just Yep. I mean, those are the ones that really stuck out to me, and it, maybe I'm biased because I'm a corn player, but uh... ah, okay. <laughs> that's all the other. So, um, I, the, the next one I was definitely looking at was the uh, the steampunk Tesla because I, I know a lot of friends of mine that play uh, Wild West Exodus and Malifaux and things of that nature. I know they would really get into this set. So, mm. um, when you were designing this one, what were your 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 concepts you had in mind? Uh, yeah. Uh, so basically. Um, uh... The effect of um, electricity in the you know like in a Tesla way is kind of very interesting to uh, implement, and it is very cool to paint. So we, as a painting studio, we also wanted to develop the, the pieces so that the, when, when people will paint it, it will not take a lot of skills for you to achieve something that looks really effective. And this is the set that perfectly resembles that because you can um, have it painted with any metallic and then add layers of blue and white and you have like really cool effect that will just you know like strike on the on the battlefield so uh it is it is as you said it is meant to mostly for a steampunk uh players uh we when you're thinking steampunk one of the first thing that that is coming to me is just like you know like all those crazy effects all those crazy inventions that are connected with electricity because this is the era where you know like electricity is like thing and you know like everyone is going to use it use it so we wanted to put it in the test on the battlefield and i i must say that a lot of people who play uh for example mechanicum also said in malifaux as you as you as you said before and hordes they, they really liked it and they will be saying that this is something that they lacked regarding the steampunk yeah, it's really cool. I I was even looking at the uh, barricades on this one, and uh, you know the potentials for use in different games. Uh, your barricades, for example, have a concrete feeling with rebar running through it, so it's all mm. damaged. And I really, I really like that look because I feel that uh, you guys took the time to really look in depth at what it takes to make concrete. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, put the details in there. So I don't know if you guys just went out back and broke up your sidewalk with a sledgehammer or something. To that <laughs> no, but to that'd see. be cool. <laughs> <laughs> just tell yeah. it's for reference. You can write it off. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we were designing the demonic uh, sector, we definitely just went to the demonic realm and see everything, and that's where we got the idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, scare the neighbors a little bit. You know, it, exactly. It, it, just, it all works. Know. Yeah. yeah. Sure. What <laughs> <laughs> awesome. is? So yeah. Then uh, I mean, the uh, to round out your your core set is the floating crystals, which I know a couple of my buddies that would absolutely love to get their hands on these so i know they're gonna be listening to this when i upload this a little bit later on here these to me are the design on them is really really cool um every everything about uh the the circular motion on them again you you took the time to make the bases really sturdy uh what what were your kind of uh design aspects when it came time to the crystals Mm because i I see a lot of stuff there i crystals are more of like um a standard fantasy realm um i think that the like a lot of there are there when you see all the war gamings and and the kickstarter projects right now they are all about something you know like uh, a lot of post-apocalyptic games and a lot of you know like dark um groomy stuff that you know like you have like the old Cthulhu nightmares and everything and we wanted also a set that will be that will find use in like classic fantasy games which is not too much serious have this kind of you know like magical feeling to it that that will just represent the amaze of the world of fantasy magic right so you basically one of the inspiration was for example the avatar so when you have all the floating islands so we just imagined a land where you have the like a lot of crystals and a lot of floating crystals all around and they have like all those vast beautiful colors uh on our website we have all of them painted in uh in in, in blue but um you can as easily make a lot of different colors to represent how they, you know, like uh, how, all those aspect of, of of magic and and something untold. So for me, this is just like you know, like a cl- classic fantasy type, which will it it is not too grim. It is it is just you know like to represent the magic. Although uh, the portals, uh, a lot of people said that the portals looks very uh rap like <laughs> uh, from the chaos player perspective that if you paint it red it could represent you know like the the kind of you know like the crash in reality where the demons can come so yeah yeah it, yeah the portal itself like i'm looking at it and i'm going okay so you could make this look like a very hopeful happy piece exactly you know, <laughs> or you could make it look like um is gonna come through that thing at any time yeah, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, it definitely has that look where it's like depending on how you paint it is gonna <laughs> completely determine what yeah. this is gonna look like when it's done. Yeah, that's why we painted it in blue because we wanted to keep this in a little magic special place. <laughs> but you know, like if someone would go with crazy red and you know, like add the little schools, then it will <laughs> definitely yeah, you know, like another look. But you know, like this is one of the cool things about this hobby. You can you know like by painting and a little bit of imagination, you can just do whatever you want, right? Yeah, exactly. So I also noticed with each of the sets you have um you have bases. So the sets come yep. with portals, objective markers, totems and uh was it wall pieces? Yeah, wall pieces and a and, uh, barricades or a barricade and a tower as you have it listed. Yeah. So and then you have base sets that tie it together. Yeah. Okay, cool. So and I noticed those are an additional add-on. Um yep. And those look like they're right up to snuff with everything that's going on, Age of Sigmar and new 40K basing standards. Yeah, yeah. We will, basically, what we'll do with the objectives and, and the totems, uh, because a lot of people ask us for us, is um, the, the, the objective marker and the totem itself will be uh, delivered with untouched. And you basically get a 40 millimeter base, which is a standard for uh, Warhammer 40k. Uh, you'll also have a possibility to get a 30 millimeter base, so that you which is more of a 30 millimeters, or the war, ma- uh, war machine, which is 40, uh, 50 millimeters. So basically, you can you know like uh, apply it to any game you like. 
Okay, cool. Can you repeat that one more time? It was breaking up just a hair, so I'm going to have to uh, do a little bit of edit magic, but that's fine. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, so basically uh, what a lot of people ask us is to provide them in a different size for different games. For example, the first millimeter, objective markers, so uh, what we decided to do is to make the objective markers and totem in a way that they will fit uh, uh, on uh, every base from the 30 millimeter to 50 millimeter range and we'll provide it with additional plastic base so basically you get the 40 millimeter standard plastic base but you can also get a 30 millimeter or 50 millimeter base so we can use it either in War Machine or Malifaux or, or obviously Warhammer 40k or Age of Sigma. Cool. So it'll work on a beveled or a round-lipped. Yep, yep, yep. Perfect. Awesome. And then uh, I noticed you had some other sets that you're looking at doing for unlocks. You've got the sci-fi. Uh, yep. Nick, I know you've probably been looking at these pretty closely. I know you like a lot of the uh, the retro sci-fi stuff. Oh, yeah. I definitely have. Well, I've been looking at all the sets. Uh, <laughs> and the part I love the best is that on the Kickstarter, you can get it painted. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. I didn't notice that part. Uh, yep. It, it's the last... It's one of the last pledges it's a full painted terrain set this oh, is wow. yeah we have like two painted pledges which which is which gives you uh there is um a just painted pledge which means that you can pick one and we'll paint the, the picked one and you can save around 10 percent or our normal normal rates and you have the full terrain painted so all the free standard sets so demonic wastelands tesla and floating crystals and you save around 20 percent on our normal rates so oh wow that's uh it's pretty crazy it's you know like it's it's what why the kickstarter is you know like for because you need to wait more so that's why we want to offer like way better price so so it will make sense for you to you know like get in right now and not wait six months for it right gotcha yeah that it makes sense um yeah I've, I've had my dabblings and kickstarters before with other companies i've worked with so i kind of know the routine when it comes time to that and anybody that hasn't used kickstarter before for our listeners you yeah. always have to be patient again yeah. this is not a fully developed product they don't just it have is, it sitting yeah. on their shelf i can tell you because with the edge I don't think that our bakers, because we didn't tell them everything, but we've been through a lot with this project. Trust me, like a lot. Uh, my perspective just changed like 100. It's, it was just crazy sometimes. Trust me. We, basically, we gathered with the edge around 54,000 pounds, which, you know, like for average person, he would say like, whoa, that's a lot of money. You can do pretty much everything with it, right? But yeah, it, I think we ended up with adding more than we actually gathered. So, you know, like basically probably after the production and and retail sales will get to this point where, where we'll be put in zero. But the, the biggest problem is that you just don't expect so many things to go wrong. And there's like a lot of possibilities from shipping to models to casts to business partners who, you know, like do bad job for you and just like, a lot of pitfalls there. So, uh, yeah, the, the Kickstarter is a pretty great possibility for new companies to learn stuff. Um, but as a baker, you need to take um, take in account that it is like very possible that there might be delays. And you know, like I know a lot of projects that had delays, like one year or two years. So yeah, we, we ended up with about three or four months delay. So I think it is not that, uh, as bad, but but I know a lot of companies that are really struggling with it. So. Yeah, well, that's the thing. One of the things that uh, I've seen a lot of Kickstarters do in the past is they overpromise on what they can do. Oh, definitely, yes. And uh, you know that that sometimes can be a bit of a a bit of a strain on people. You know, I got I got uh, friends back at home in Wisconsin that were very much. Uh, they looked at Kickstarters as like, well, I'm going to pledge on this. They're going to take my money, and then at some point it's going to show up, and it's going to be like a surprise because I forgot all about it. <laughs> you know, they kind of they kind of grown used to the fact that it's not going to just take three months after it the the pledge manager closes yeah. for this product to arrive. They know that it's probably going to take sometimes close to six months to a year. Yeah, yeah. That's so, the thing. I mean, there are some companies who just treat the Kickstarter as a pre-order, like call me or not, and everything. So they are just you know like probably on time and everything but 
when you're making a new company, you need to you know like take into consideration. Though I must say that it's kind of crazy because when I look at Kickstarter nowadays and I'm looking at what they offer in the price, I'm like 100% sure that it is impossible to deliver with not even not even in the cost. I'm not even saying about you know like making profit, but you know like not making a huge loss on on that promise. So it kind of makes me a little bit worried of the future of the Kickstarter because if too many people will get burned, you know, it can it can get you know like yeah. unpopular. Yeah. I so, actually just recently had a Kickstarter that that they've been in development for year two years since i backed it and they just said that they're going to have to launch another one to finish development yeah I, this is this the, that that is exactly what i'm talking about because people also uh basically what they're doing is what, what i see they they don't calculate correctly they just taking the prices that someone emails to them not even present a fully business offer but just like sending an email from China, China and, or, or whatever, and they take it for granted. And they take it for granted, they take in that they will make everything perfect in the first try, so there will be no additional costs, and this is all costs that they will be. One of the other thing is that people, for example, don't calculate the VAT tax in the European Union, and, you know, like, you need to pay it. <laughs> it's 23%. And there's, like, a lot of those things, so... I know, I know what I, when we were calculating the edge, we actually were taking like a huge mar- margin because I was I had a previous business, you know, like experience, and I knew that if you have calculated the cost, the best way to make it reasonable is to double it, <laughs> and probably maybe you will fit. And what I see right now in people is just like they calculating the cost and giving discounts to that, and it just is just crazy. Yeah, they're almost giving some. I've noticed with some Kickstarters, they almost give things away for, sometimes just for free. It seems yeah. like, uh, you know, they go online, they put on like a retail, uh, a, a, a typical retail cost, and then they're yeah. like, "Oh, you could get it on here. It's seventy percent off." And I'm like, "How are exactly. you?" <laughs> you know, we're all doing this to get a new product out there, and people at least want to break even on a Kickstarter before they start selling it to the masses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Yes. Especially that you have no guarantee that you will do well in retail. It is not that easy, you know. Like there's like a lot of products right now. So, oh yeah, yeah. I I, I know that uh, the American market. I know it's a little bit different in the European market. Uh, distributors mm-hmm. will take a little bit more of a risk on a product. In America, they almost want a, a guarantee that they're going to sell through about eighty percent of a product before they even consider picking it up. So yeah, I know yeah. there's a lot of times it could be really tough. Or basically, you need to. I can tell you from experience. You need to, for example, send them uh, 500 copies without getting paid. And when they will sell sell something, then they will, you will get some money. Yeah, so, so they hit you with more of a, a consignment side. Yeah, exactly. So maybe we'll sell something, but you know, like you don't have a guarantee. But you need to froze your assets. So that's Ooh. you know. Yeah, that's that can be harsh sometimes, depending yeah, upon I, I, who's yeah, doing I, it and exactly. if they have I, your I, best interest in mind. Yeah, sure. I'm not. I'm not going to say that you know, like it is a very hard market and so on. Because what we met up with is a community of such great people. Our bakers were so amazing regarding you know, like they helped us on every step of the way. For example, proofreading the rules, making you know, like the storyboards of the edge and everything. So I'm, I, I, I'm not wanting to say that you know, like it is a bad market. Just the opposite. I think it is a tremendous opportunity and a lot of. Or some people, but I think that some people have very naive approach to it, and sometimes those Kickstarter projects, I, I, you know, like for the past half a year, I, I saw like at least ten projects that I, I looked at it and they, I was like, they will never going to deliver that. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Hopefully they will, but you know. <laughs> yeah. It- you know, and sometimes I, I know uh, companies like to take a little bit more time on things. One of the ones that uh, I keep thinking about is Kingdom Death's Monster. That took him oh, almost yeah. two years to deliver. Uh, but we had those models. The quality is just... Right. You can hard, it's just best plastic on the market. It yeah. is on the level of Games Workshop. So what this guy did is really amazing. Yeah, that's... yeah I, I know a lot of people got really pissed off when they were waiting so long for that. 
I don't think anybody had anything bad to say once they actually received that yeah. box in the mail. Yeah. But, you know, one of our bakers actually told us a very interesting thing, and it's stuck in my head, that, you know, like, when you have a great game coming out or great movie or any great product, no one will ever tell, like, this is the best on-time product. It, it's, you know, like, w- when you will really deliver a great product, no one will focus on it that it is late. So basically, you know, like, better to make a little delay but to deliver a really great product. So that's... Yeah, that's that's very, very true. I think the other thing, too, is uh, being open with your backers. Yeah. Um, that's one thing I've seen a lot of companies fail in is that if you want to talk about feeling like someone's just in it for the cash and taking your money back at Kickstarter and if they don't update anything that's the first feeling you're going to get oh they just want my money yeah probably I mean I think that uh, some bakers some some companies can be like ashamed of because you know it is actually a tough thing to do when you need to go in front of the you know like for example thousand people who trusted you and say that you know like we failed in calculations this correctly and this and this and this is problematic because we didn't see it coming. It is a tough thing to do. I mean, it, it seems easy because you, when you're sitting, but there will be always at, at around 10% of people who will slam you for it. So it might be hard, but in the end, I think that this is the right thing to do to just, you know, like let people know where they stand because... The worst tactic you can do is just, you know, like hide your head in the ground and, you know, like try to look like nothing happened. Oh, yeah. That's the one, yeah. Absolutely. So kind of jumping back into the the Kickstarter here, I also noticed that you had this pledge on a battle banner. So you got three battle banners that actually they look uh, for, you know, for lack of better terms, I guess, generic. So you could paint whatever icons you want on them, which I thought I just noticed that I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's that's one of the. But uh, what I think it is interesting regarding the pledge manager that you could see is if you look, scroll up to the top of the website, we have a special deal, and it is like really good deal, uh, like really good deal. Trust me, this is this is practically the best you can get on this Kickstarter. Uh, the special deal crystals. Oh Just wow! On the yeah. Top. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so those are the uh, LED. Uh, crystals, so they have a lamp inside with a batteries, and uh, they come in three colors. So you have three of those crystals. They are pretty, pretty, pretty huge because they have seven or eight centimeter high, and you also get five crystals in the set in transparent resin. And all of that is for eight pounds, which will be around eleven dollars, which is uh, a, a really good price and i don't think that you'll ever get it into retail retail in those prices because it's basically the cost of production so yeah i was gonna say with something like that i could see that being uh maybe i'd say 22 25 bucks in a in a full retail here in america yeah Yeah. because it what is really cool about it is you don't need to paint it and it looks really good i mean you can also in one of the updates check out the video regarding it and you just you know like you just put the battery in uh, and just you know like light it up put it on the battlefield and no painting required the transparent resin combined with the LED is just looking really good and the cool thing about it is that the light is not you know like just shining but it is pulsating so you you know like it's getting harder light lower light harder light lower light so which creates this dynamic and magical effect that really will yeah that's really cool at first, just looking at the picture, I thought it was just stayed lit up. But if if it pulses like that, that adds so much more to it. Yeah, um, it, a little bit lower, you can see a uh, uh, space wolf next to it, and you can see how how actually good it looks on the battlefield. I I didn't expect it, it to look it that good. <laughs> I, if I went to honest, because we just you know like played around with a few things just to see what we can you know, like do or see. Uh, and we afterwards we developed a sci-fi set. So if you'll go down a little bit, yeah, okay. And there is also the use of, on the totems of the LED uh, light. It's actually a green light. 
Yeah. So it will come also pre-painted in black, and there's a light inside of it, also pulsing. And the objective markers currently will have only a render, but it will be constructed in like that the base will have the light inside. The, the laser thing will be in transparent resin, so the light will be shining through it, and then the rest will be in normal resin. So it oh, will. That's it, awesome. Hope, yeah, hopefully it will create the effect that the the totem is floating in the air on the laser thing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I really like that. So, um, I noticed that there's two more things that are left to unlock on that one. Are you I, able to hint on those a little bit? Yeah, actually, they've been unlocked today, but I didn't have time no. to you know, like <laughs> update it. We need we have a new stretch goals. We can take a look at them a little bit later. But yeah, uh, we didn't make the portals yet. But uh, our main inspiration for that is all the sci-fi token is basically. I'm not sure if you saw the Tron Evolution movie. Yeah. So yeah, basically, this is my dream. <laughs> I mean, because I'm a huge Tau fan and. Empire, and I always wanted to have a full army painted in those style and the whole battlefield with Liedi, uh with exactly, you know, like those kind of aesthetics because I think it's just very futuristic. It is more or less easy to do because you have only, you know, like so-called edge highlights, right? But it just creates this amazing effect of something really sci-fi, really cybernetic, right? For me, so basically we were going this this direction with, you know, like things um, uh, that will be this, will have this high technology feel to it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I could could definitely see an entire set looking like that. Especially if you already have your uh, Tron towel painted up, that would look amazing. Yeah, exactly. Nice. I think I'm, I, I think I'm not alone with the, this tr- the Tron uh, inspiration. Uh, and also, if you want to check uh, the latest update, the fifth. Okay. Let's see here. Latest update. New stretch goals and reviews, February 23rd. Yep, exactly. So if you go to the new stretch goals, you can see the, um, the barricades from the sci-fi set. Yeah. This is the render again. And uh, the force field will be cast in the transparent resin again. So basically you will have this field that it is kind of energy field-like stuff. Oh, yeah, and, I could see that. Yeah, yeah and, and on the lower, you have the uh, another set introduction, which will be the uh, bone and blood. Kind of a little terrifying stuff, Uh but the idea is that uh, the whole structures of bone and flesh is starting to... We wanted to capture the moment when the uh, structures are created out of the ground. So where, for example, you can see the blood magic coming out and making some skeletons or other totems alive. So, Yeah, that's really, really cool. I can see how that could be painted in... Uh actually really gory fashion exactly if if, so anybody listening if you're a really messy painter and like blood and gore <laughs> this set would be actually really good for you to uh, use. just take some pine just step in anywhere and it will work <laughs> yeah paint paint some bone and then just cover it in goo and you're good <laughs> yeah you're good sweet yeah. something i can paint right <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i know i suck at glowing effects so uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> So I could definitely see this being used in a lot of different games. Um, you know, I, I think that's the, the one good thing that I've noticed. Uh, the more and more I look at at your uh, your Kickstarter here is the fact that uh, the more, you know, yes, you have it's very 40K-centric, mm-hmm. but you've kept it, you, you've, you've taken out like a lot of the, I guess if you want to call it uh, typical GW devices and you've made it to where, yes, it will fit with 40K, but if you play other games, it will work just as well. Yeah. So, I which mean, I think is important. We didn't want it to make it only for the 40K because, I mean, this is the most popular game out there, obviously, but uh, what we were mostly aiming for uh, on the design process was how to make something cool in certain thematics. 
So, you know, like basically it is not only for 40K, but I think that a lot of people can say that it is made for 40K because 40K covers pretty much every aspect of aesthetics with the armies they have. So you have orcs or and mechanicus for Tesla, you have Necrons for all the crystals or sci-fi stuff, you have Tau for sci-fi. So basically the reason behind that people will always say that, oh, you made it for 40K is because 40K ha- have everything. They have vampires in the, you know, like Space Marines chapters. They have like wolves. I mean, I don't think that there's like one thing that the Games Workshop didn't take as an aesthetic and implement into the games, right? Because you have well, Japanese culture in, in Tau. You have like the Elders, which is, you know, like the highly high elves with uh, great technology and you have all those aesthetics out there right yeah absolutely about the only thing they don't have is my little pony and i'm okay with that yeah um, exactly that's uh, they, they should stay stick with it not, not implementing them <laughs> yeah i think the worst thing i ever saw online is somebody painted an entire hello kitty army of space Marines. i saw it i saw it I, I i always because you know like it meant to be a joke and i always always have so much appreciation that someone just really you know like <laughs> he, he he needed to spend like at least 100 hours of painting it and he just did it for a joke which is yeah that's kind of awesome it's yeah. creepy but also awesome <laughs> hats off to him but now you got an entire hello kitty army so yeah. <laughs> have fun with that uh, just staring I'm... you in the face with little bows painted on their helmets <laughs> my favorite one though was when someone didn't have a, a necro necron side uh, flyer and he used a uh, croissant. Yes, that that was my uh, like. That was just the best one ever. <laughs> yeah, he had he ended up having like uh, I think three or four of them on the battlefield that were literally exactly. just croissants that he stuck up flying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with you know like uh, rules of not Games Workshop product. Yeah. Well, as I long as you that... don't take it to a tournament, I guess. Hey, why not? <laughs> if you get hungry and the thing crashes, you know... It's... It, it, it should be that when your opponent, you know, like, kill it, he can eat it. That would be, like, for a corn player, just imagine that, taking, you know, like, a unit and just eating it in front of your enemy. That would be something cool, right? <laughs> I, yeah, hats off to that guy. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Why do you a... keep trying to shoot him? He's going off the board. Because I'm hungry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because over on this side, I've got ham. That's why. that's awesome so tell us a little bit about your commission painting studio we we covered pretty much every aspect of the kickstarter but that's not all you guys do you you mentioned the beginning you're a painting studio oh yeah so tell us a little bit about what sets you apart from everybody else out there um yeah i think that the like the crucial factor is first of all the approach which means that we have like a really it, it is not something that we do in our spare time it is our main job every people here and it is not something that we will you know like take lightly or that we will you know like just do as a side project so you know like if some something happens in our families that will just drop the project and you'll need to wait additional month or two but we have you know like set of rules that we follow as a company so for example uh we we've seen a lot of uh commission painters for example what they do is they can ask you that you know like you're sending obviously a list you want to get painted and then we'll they will send you how much it will cost then you will uh, then they will start painting it and they will say like you know what we needed to spend like additionally 10 hours on that and this and you need to pay more because you know like it, it, it was more difficult than i expected right it happens sometimes i'm not not going to say that often that often or not because i'm not 100 percent sure on you know, like what's the market but it happens and i know it happens and we never do that if we'll give you a price you always you are sure that you will get what you want in those price because we you know like initially said it so this is basically what you would expect from a professional company right that when they will tell something to you they will stick by your word right so yeah. i think that the biggest differentiating factor is our approach on the promises we made and on the quality and on the 
uh, on the responsibility as a company because we're not just some individual that can tell like yeah fuck it I I don't care but we just a professional company that this is our you know like this is our living so we need to make sure that everything is perfect right right so do you, speaking of the the paint quality do you guys only paint at like a high level or do you kind of have tiers where it's like, okay, so you yeah, you just want tabletop, so it's going to be three colors, a little bit of wash, call it good. And then you go all the way up to, you know, this isn't quite Golden Demon or Crystal Brush, <laughs> but it's close and it's uh, going to cost yeah. you. Yeah, we actually have um, uh, four qualities, but we do not offer tabletop quality. Uh, we have like a so-called standard quality, but... It will be probably somewhere around uh, level two or three of most other studios because what we believe in that, you know, like we we just don't want to do bad looking miniatures, basically. We, we want to start, you know, like set our bar way higher than the others. So if you go to our website, uh, awakenrealms.com, uh, you can check out the gallery. I, I can, you know, like show you a little bit different um, uh, pieces that we did in different qualities. Okay, give me just a second here. Yeah, sure. Waking Realms. There it is. Yeah, and you can just, you know, like, click on the gallery. Gallery. Alright. So I have seen some of the stuff that you've posted in, in various groups across Facebook yeah. <laughs> land. And... Facebook land, yeah. So yeah, basically, for example, if you click on the uh, Warlord Titan, this is you know like the biggest picture out there. Oh wow! So this is uh, display quality, our highest quality. Uh, it was actually one of the most fun projects we ever had because we had this Warlord Titan, and if you look closely into the plates, it is there are amazing freehands out there. It is actually. When people sometimes say that, you know, like, the, the, this or that miniature is a work of art, I'm usually like, eh, maybe, but this one is really because you have, like, a different paintings of every plate, and the quality overall of the model was, like, a blast, so. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. You've got Tyranids on one side, Orcs on the other. Yeah. And then uh, it, on the shoulder shield here, I see it looks like a... Yeah, it's like a, a a server cherub. Yeah, wow. actually, those those paintings are the memorials of the battles this warlord titan took in. That's why you know, like they are uh, done uh, because a lot of people ask, like, why warlord titan have tyranids and orcs painted on his you know like shoulder parts? But those are just the memorials of the battles he took apart. And if you look at the aquila. It is made in a way that it is, you know, like shooting in face of those orcs and tyrannies. So, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I, the detail on it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I say that when when our painters. Another factor that is differentiating us is we have a people with art experience. The, the, those are not only the hobbies, but they are people, you know, like experienced in arts. So they they can do stuff like that. <laughs> that's... Yeah, that's. That's crazy. Nick, yeah. uh, are your painting skills up to this snuff? Or, uh, <laughs> what do you got? I, I think I can splash some red on it. Oh, that's that's good. That's that, yeah, that's, that, that's a start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good job there. Um, no, I definitely couldn't pull this off. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm like the greatest painter on the planet. Uh, I'm definitely not. But uh, I'm looking at this going, okay, is there anything on this that I could feasibly do? <laughs> um, I could. It would take me about seven years. <laughs> nah, you know, like it's 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 not that hard. I mean, freehands <laughs> are hard, but the rest is just you know like skills, time, and dedication. All right, but if you guys go to the uh, left menu, there's a painting quality. Yes, display top, high, and standard. Exactly, and if you click, for example, standard, uh, you should see some kind of the. I think that the Firestore Armada is one of the coolest example of the standard quality usage. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, and the thing is about the standard quality that, you know, like, it is the cheapest you, you, you will have. And it still looks pretty great on the table because what we do is we like to use um, an, a lightning FX to make them really stand out on the table. 
So basically you have first of all the contrast of blue and red uh, and the highlights and it creates this f this very vibrant effect. So actually it you know like even if it is a standard quality you probably going to end up with a good really good looking army. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah, I definitely like the way that uh, you know, contrasting colors especially in pieces that I know these these ones in particular for anybody who's listening um Firestorm Armada is a space uh faring game and the pieces can be pretty small they they range because uh they try to keep everything yeah. in scale with ships so the fact that you guys have jammed a lot of the uh the contrast even into the smaller ships is a really really you know good approach I know a lot of I know a lot of you know kind of u.s based painters they would look at that and go yeah we're just gonna throw a couple colors on it and call it good especially for your smaller flyers no that's me right here (laughs) (laughs) you're lucky if it's a couple colors (laughs) oh you're that guy okay i see how it is primed hey it's painted yeah (laughs) awesome well it's always better than gray right oh yeah yeah I've been to a couple of tournaments where people don't even have models completely built. It's just legs on stands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you go to the high quality, you can actually, for example, say the Grey Knights Terminators. I think that will be one of the good examples of the high quality. Okay. Let's see here. Where are we at, Grey Knights Terminators? Ah, there you are, right in the middle. Yeah. So basically, this will offer you just more way more details done and you know like better highlights better colors and uh. wow yeah definitely also some effects like heavy chipping so like the weathering or snow or special bases so so those are basically the difference and the top quality offers you all of that plus you know like free hands we had like Really crazy Imperial Knights rush because all everyone wanted to have an Imperial Knight back in the day, and we've done so many really cool design with, for example, fire or, or other stuff, and, and it was kind of fun. So in top quality, you can mostly look at those um, Imperial Knights, and they really cool looking. Yeah, see, there's the uh, Blood Angels Imperial Knight, Chaos yeah. Knight. Yeah, let's take a look at this Blood Angels Knight here. Yeah, you have, you have the free hands as well done. So. Yeah, wow, okay. Yeah, you got the glowing effect in the eyes, you got the glowing effect on the plasma cannon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, also when you'll probably ask every anyone um, outside of uh, the Awakening Realms that probably what they will say about the why we are different from other studios is the lightning effects. <laughs> Some some love it, some hate it. The OSL, but you know, we can do actually a range of things. We can do things without the lighting effects, but yeah. Personally, I'm a fan of lighting effects. It just, you know, you're talking about a giant walking death machine. This thing, yeah, it's gonna have some glowing bits. I'm I'm always a little bit, uh, you know, like um, maybe not fully sure when people will say uh, that. It is unrealistic because this is the biggest, uh, the biggest um, argument that people will say that you know, like, oh, this is unrealistic. You, it, it will not glow. And but you know, like my my answer is like, dude, we, we're talking about you know, like a walking war machine in the century when where there is only war and everything. So you know, like we we might have the problem of realistic out of the way actually. So yeah. the the, the <laughs> rule of the rule of cool applies. So if if it looks really good, so yeah, why not? Why the hell not having it? Exactly. Awesome. And then let's take a look at the the nice, nice, nice stuff. And the display, yeah, exactly. The display you have like pretty much everything from conversion to free hands to crazy dioramas, just like whatever you need. <laughs> Actually, talking about dioramas, I'm looking at one of them right now. It's a Chaos Marine and a um, Space Marine, and they're standing yeah, yeah, yeah. on a platform above some yeah. lava. Yeah, and and they've got some crazy lighting effects. Yeah, but I'm, the Star Wars the diorama. Yeah, hi. <laughs> yeah. This was I, actually before the movie start premiere, so we wanted to make give a little touch on you know like 
It's it's awesome because the Marines themselves are just like washed out. They they don't have any lighting except for from their their swords, their lightsabers. Yeah. Oh yeah. And when you will look at the display quality, uh, one of my favorite pieces as well is the. Um, if you check for Irvana, uh, the Tau suits made in the city camo. Oh, there it is, Irvana. Oh, wow, yeah. that's awesome. And the cool thing about it is that we have a client from the United uh, Emirates uh uh, that ordered a whole army of those in this play quality. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, when you hit a jackpot on oil, you can afford all of the, you know, like, kind of stuff. So they decided to make a whole army on this play quality, which cost a lot, but just the end effect is sure. United Emirates has a house in Dubai. He flies his own private jet exactly. down the street yeah. to the mall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they can afford this shit. It's just like oh, yeah. paying small bills. <laughs> Whatever. Here's $20,000. Just get it done. Yeah, I don't just, care. Yeah, just, like I just bought a Ferrari because I had the money in my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. That's killer work. You guys do actually some really, really fantastic work. Um, I take it a lot of it is like half freehand, half airbrush. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we really like to combine a lot of effects. There are some people who hate airbrushing because they say, but I think that it is, it is just a tool and it depends how do you use it. So we are combining everything from the dry brushing to airbrushing to just normal paints to freehands to weathering to, you know, like all the fast techniques into the final effects. And I don't believe that, you know, like airbrush is bad or wrong or good. It's just a tool and, you know, it all depends on how you use it. Yeah, exactly. Well, we do actually have to start wrapping this up. I could talk about this all day long. However, unfortunately, (laughs) some of us have to still go to work. So, uh, Oh, I'm working right now. (laughs) Well, yeah. So for you, this is perfect. So, yeah, uh, yeah, is there any uh, closing comments you want to throw in there? Nick, uh, I know you probably want to make a few in there. Uh, Well, I would just want to thank you guys and all the people listening. So, yeah, thanks for having me, and it was great to talk with you. Oh, yeah, it's it's been fun, definitely. Uh, Anybody who's listening, definitely check out awakenrealms.com. Awakenrealms.com, if I could talk. Wow, holy crap. And then uh, definitely check out their Kickstarter Awakening um, if you're a – you know, if you need any type of a portal or realm gate or anything to just spice up your battlefield, it's a great start. High quality resins. So, uh, Nick, any other closing comments? Um, you know what? Actually, so there's a there's a Facebook group that uh, that they created for for people who have uh, liked their stuff, and on it they uh, posted a poll and for for something that they're releasing and. Uh, I was happy to see this morning that it's it's high up on the uh, ancient fountain. I need one for Frostgrave, so. All right. <laughs> Ho- hopefully, it keeps getting the votes. Well, it, it as far as it goes, probably we'll start working on it in like next following day. So yeah, it, it probably won the poll by far. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> Excuse awesome. me. And uh, uh, finally, um, love the. Uh, Love everything I've seen on the uh, Kickstarter, and at some point in the next couple days, we should be getting review copies, and Tim and I will take it, really check them out, and uh, we'll probably be posting a special podcast with the review. Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, it's in the works. Awesome. Well, Marcin, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, we yeah, really cheers. appreciate it. Uh, I know it's a little early for us, and I know you just got to work, and normally you get there a little bit later than this, but uh, yeah. we really appreciate you taking the time. No problem. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you. Have yeah, a good one. Cheers. See ya. So I don't normally do edits. However, when we were doing the Skype call on this uh, interview, we ended up having a bit of an issue when Marcin was talking about the bases. 
So I know he tried repeating it twice, and for some reason on his end of the line, we ended up having a couple of issues. So let me go ahead and explain to you what he was saying. With his base inserts that he has for all of his sets that he's got coming out for The Awakening, uh, you can actually use them on beveled edge bases, and they will fit directly into round lip bases. So you can use them for any game out there on the market. Thanks again for listening to Skirmish Supremacy. We'll catch you next time.